Good morning. Welcome to this morning telecast from Fishkill Baptist Church. I'm Gary Bonebreak, interim pastor here in the Hudson Valley. Wherever you are joining us for this telecast, I trust you are well, following the necessary protocols and looking up, looking up to God for help in this time. This is the Lord's Day, May 10th. Happy Mother's Day. We thank God for moms. It's hard not to be able to take mom out to a nice restaurant today, but we trust you will be honored today and have a great day. Not being able to gather and worship is hard for us, but the Lord is with us in spite of the limitations of this crisis, and he will get us through. This morning, we are continuing our study of Mark's gospel, the word of God to us. Mark, I believe, is the first of the four gospels to be written. Step, step back for a moment. As we look at the story of our planet and its history, we have to say that we live in a broken world, burdened by suffering and tears. In our world, people find themselves struggling in many difficult situations. And I'm not talking about the COVID crisis. I'm talking about our world quite apart from the present challenge. I'm talking about our world as it is and has been for millennia. Let me present a few concrete examples of hardship and suffering. Here's a warehouse worker working for a limited wage, trying to keep his job. He has a sick daughter, and it's, if he loses his job, he has no insurance. Or here's a wife suffering in a marriage with a harsh, indifferent husband. Or here's a refugee that has fled violence in his own country. Now he's a stranger where he does not speak the language and he has nowhere to go. He has nothing. Here's a single mom. She dropped out of school. She's struggling to get by on limited government assistance. She struggles every day with despair. Or here's a young man born into a wealthy family, a family of privilege, but he can't see any purpose in chasing after more money. What's it all for? He has it all, but he's strung out on drugs and he's thinking about ending it all. These are typical struggles for people in our world quite apart from the present crisis. People long for healing and for wholeness, for purpose and meaning in life. And the COVID crisis that has come upon us has only magnified issues and multiplied them. Worldwide, millions have been infected Nations are in lockdown, struggling to reopen, and the crisis continues. We pray for people who are hurting and for the government leaders of our country. We all need God. To a world that has lost its way, Mark teaches us that we do not have to live without hope. One of the most important themes of Mark's gospel is the coming of the kingdom. 
Jesus brings the kingdom of God to our needy world. It is the kingdom of life and goodness and purpose and joy. Let's read together. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading verses 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's bow in prayer as we consider God's word to us today. Our Father, we are grateful for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for your faithfulness. We exalt you, Lord, how grateful we are for the word, for the good news, for the message of your love. Lord, open our minds, open our hearts, open our eyes, and enable us to see, to believe, and to understand, and to obey. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. John, who had preached in the desert, was now put in prison in Jerusalem. John's life was stark and simple and short, yet John's life was filled with meaning. He had pointed to the Mighty One, the one coming after him. Many had repented and been baptized in preparation for the coming of the king. Only when John's ministry was ended did God permit his arrest. Only when John's prophetic ministry was ended did Jesus' kingdom work begin. Jesus went into Galilee. This is a region in the north of this small country. He announced fulfillment. The time has come. The long-awaited time has arrived. The kingdom promised by the prophets is here. The kingdom of God is breaking into history in Jesus. This was a startling and electrifying message. The Jewish people expected the Messiah to be a military leader. You know, King David squared He would defeat Israel's enemies and restore Israel to political superiority, to sovereignty over the whole earth. Like David and Solomon combined, he would come with armies, slaughter the Romans, and rule the world from Jerusalem. Jesus was proclaiming something very different. The kingdom Jesus was announcing was not territorial, not political, No, it's Christ's kingly rule to be received by faith. The kingdom of God is a relationship with the king. Note what Jesus says later. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's chapter 10. Notice the kingdom is something to be received. We must receive the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is Christ's rule and reign. To receive the king is to receive the kingdom. God rules in the hearts of those who respond to Christ's call. 
Indeed, later, the Apostle Paul will teach that when we trust in Christ, we enter the kingdom here and now. He wrote to the Colossians, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Paul teaches that God rescues us from Satan's dominion and brings us into Christ's kingdom. So it's clear that we need to understand Jesus' words in Mark 1 at face value. He was inaugurating the kingdom of God in his ministry. The kingdom was coming to planet Earth in Jesus. Jesus' message in Galilee is his call to us today. Repent and believe the good news. This is how you enter the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. To repent is to turn from our own way to God. I stop going my way and I turn to God. This means we must give up our pride, our self-assurance, our self-reliance, and admit our need and turn to God. Jesus calls us to repent and to believe. To believe is to submit to the truth of the good news and to trust in God's chosen one, God's Son, the Lord Jesus. He becomes King, Savior, and Lord in our lives. This is a call to you today. Repent, turn to God, trust in Jesus as your King today. Jesus calls us to the kingdom of God, and secondly, Jesus enlists us for kingdom service. Notice what we read in 1.16 and following. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The account as we have it here in Mark is quite simple. Jesus walks along the shore of the sea, calls fishermen, and they promptly leave everything and follow him. In presenting it this way, uh, Mark's purpose is to emphasize the authority and power of Jesus' kingdom call. People hear it and leave everything for him. That's Mark's point. But if we need a little more understanding of how this happened, we get some background from John's Gospel. There we learn that earlier Simon and Andrew had previously learned of Jesus through the ministry of John the Baptist. Andrew had been a follower of John and had brought Peter to meet Jesus. So there was an earlier sort of acquaintance stage before they actually became his disciples. But Mark omits this. To emphasize two things, one, the authority of Jesus' call, and two, the fisherman's prompt response of surrender. The authority and urgency of his call is the point. 
responding to Jesus' call, the men left everything to follow him. And Mark wants us to do the same. That is, Jesus' call is the same today. That call comes to us with, the, with his authority. In fact, all of humanity is brought to a crisis by the call of Christ. To reject him is to reject God's kingdom. To receive him as king is to enter the kingdom of God. It is urgent that we respond before it is too late. Jesus calls us to discipleship and to service as well. Verse 17, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. He calls us to join him in bringing others to the kingdom of God. You will cast your net and you'll bring others to the kingdom. You know, I loved the 1997 film, The Titanic, the story of the tragic first voyage of that great ship. Some of my friends dismissed it as just another love story, but I don't see the film that way at all. I saw the film as a picture or a parable of the condition of humanity. Remember that scene where from very high in the sky, we look down at the crippled ship, silent, sitting on the open ocean. That for me is a picture of God's view looking down at humanity in all of its arrogance. Not even God could sink this ship and all of its wealth and all of its pride and all of its desperate need. One of the passengers in that voyage was John Harper, a preacher from Glasgow. Harper was coming to the U.S. to serve as the pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. When the ship struck the iceberg and began to sink, Harper put his daughter and niece in a lifeboat, and they never saw him again. Years later, a man who had been on the ship told about John Harper's last moments. He said, I was on the Titanic when she sank. As I drifted alone on a spar in the icy water, John Harper was brought over toward me on a wave. He too was holding on to a piece of the wreck. Harper saw me and he called out, man, are, are you saved? I can't say that I am, I answered. Harper said to me, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And not long after that, Harper slipped below the surface. That night, with two miles of water beneath me, I believed. And not much later, I was picked up. I am John Harper's last convert, he said. Well, we are all on the Titanic. People, all people are moving inexorably toward meeting God. We must be prepared, and we must bring others to Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Our church can only go forward if we commit ourselves to winning others. Now, this does not mean we all have to be preachers or go to door, door to door and buttonhole people. No, God has created us with different personalities different styles of sharing Christ with others. 
and he wants to use us all. Some years ago, Bill, Hyber, Bill Hybels wrote a book entitled Becoming a Contagious Christian. The book talks about different styles of sharing our faith according to our personality. And, and we see this in the Bible. I mean, Peter was prophetic and confrontational. Paul had an intellectual approach uh, involving dialogue and interaction and explanation. He reasoned from the scriptures. Or there is the testimonial approach, like the, the blind man who was healed and just told others his experience. Or there's an invitational approach, like the woman at the well who said, uh, you know, come and meet a man who knows all about me. Or, or, or Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. We're all different, and we have different styles of witness and and God can use us, each of us. I mean, think about the fact that the men in this text were simple people. They were fishermen. The early church fathers like Origen and Eusebius pointed out that God chose simple people, rustic people, to show that it was all of God's grace. Those without education became the teachers of the nations. They became the apostles to the nations. Come. Follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, Jesus said. So in this passage, Jesus calls us to the kingdom of God. He enlists us for kingdom service. And third, Jesus demonstrates kingdom authority. We're going to read again now, verse 21. We're just continuing through the text. We're now at 121. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Here, Jesus is in Capernaum. Capernaum is a small town on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. On a Sabbath day, Jesus taught in the synagogue, and he taught with authority. Jesus was different. The scribes, when they taught, split hairs in legal disputes. You know, the rabbis quoted other rabbis before them, and they disputed with each other, and sometimes over trivialities, but not Jesus. His teaching came with power and with authority and with wisdom, and the people were amazed at him. 
On this particular Sabbath, a man afflicted by a demon interrupted the service. The demon had possessed this man's personality and spoke through his voice. The demon knew who Jesus was. He called him Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Come out of him. Jesus silenced the demon and liberated the man. The man shook and let out a shriek and the demon left him. The worshipers were astonished. You can imagine. This unseen spiritual world, demons attacking, is not only in the past. It's also present today. I once heard an upstate pastor talk about his own experience. This pastor and his family had been the focus of attention of a witch's coven for the previous year. They saw a real spiritual battle going on. Demonic attack may not be so patent in our culture. I mean, Satan wants to keep people from believing that he, that he exists. But spiritual battle with the forces of evil was real then, and it's real today. We see it in the arrogant unbelief and the casual deism of our culture. Yet we need not fear. We need, we need have no craven fear of Satan. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, we read in the Bible. That same Sabbath, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. We're going to continue reading now. We're now at verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and the Lord miraculously healed her. We have to get a mother into this sermon this morning, and here she is. And immediately, as mothers do, she began to serve them. She was well. What's more, that evening, Peter had the whole town at his door. News about Jesus had spread in Galilee. Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons. He, he liberated the oppressed. Yes, we believe in miracles. There were miraculous, these were miraculous demonstrations of his kingdom power and authority. So this is Jesus' kingdom, a kingdom of compassion, a kingdom of power, and a kingdom of liberation. 
So this passage teaches us the Lord Jesus calls us today to his kingdom and to joining him in his kingdom work. The kingdom of God has come to planet Earth, this broken, needy place, this veil of tears we call home. The kingdom has come in Jesus. The kingdom of God is here now, but in veiled form. It is not obvious and glorious and universal, as it will be when he returns. Nevertheless, the kingdom of God is a reality here and now. We enter the kingdom by heeding the invitation. Repent and believe the good news. And you may enter the kingdom of God today by turning to God and receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord. Yes, we still suffer. There is still brokenness and need. We still mourn. And we are subject to death. But we who belong to him have a profound peace, the peace of God, joy, and deep security. Christ makes all the difference. He is Lord. He is King. We are in his hand, under his rule, in spite of all the troubles of this world. His kingdom will not be fully revealed until he returns. Then, then there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Then he will wipe every tear from our eyes and he will rule forever and ever. But in the meantime, the Lord is still bringing the kingdom of God to the needy, to us. He is still reaching out. He's reaching out through us. William Barclay tells of a Scottish family, a Scottish family with the motto, saved to serve. And that's us. We are saved to serve, to reach out, to be Jesus' hands and feet to others. And in this COVID crisis, we can do that. We can call others. We can talk to that neighbor. We can check in. We can talk about the peace Christ gives us. He is king. We can offer to help. We can pray. We can serve. We can love. That is living as subjects of the king we serve. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, we live in this needy place, this broken world. Certainly, we live in a place where so many are hurting and broken and needy. Father, pour out your spirit upon us. I pray for everyone, Lord, who listens to this good news from Mark's gospel. Enable us, Lord, to hear in our heart of hearts the call of Jesus, the invitation to the kingdom. Enable each and every one of us, Lord, to trust in Christ, to follow him with our whole hearts, and to serve you faithfully. Oh, Lord, we honor you and thank you. Thank you for your word to us this morning.
And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.